This is The Devil's Share, the podcast of Duke Magazine. I'm senior writer Scott Hewler. Who's that talking about? The meaning of life. (laughs) Wait, what? Uh, You know, I want to talk to people about death. As morbid as that sounds, it is very morbid, and that's the point. Uh, Actually, what Blake Tedder wants to talk about is life. Each year, Duke Magazine puts out a special issue where we get out of the way. We ask you, the Duke community, Duke alumni, staff, students, and faculty, to tell us stories, stories with a specific theme. This year's theme is realization. We asked you to tell us how some understanding, some awareness, made its way to you. This episode, we really talk about realization. I want to help people... Uh, deal with this life thing because it is precious and people are precious and when I look at my life and I don't see its preciousness I feel an immense sense of loss and I feel that regret that I could have at death on my deathbed I have to live a life that is honoring of its of its preciousness and I want to share that with people that's Blake Tedder who coordinates communications and engagement for Duke Forest. Death is pretty strong stuff, but Tedder has been through the kind of experiences that bring death right up close. As we say now, he has the receipts. He started telling me about it during a walk in the forest. There's two things that I'm sort of thinking of, and they're related. One was when I realized what it was like to be burned when I was in the hospital kind of surfacing after a month and a half and going, oh, this is an experience I never could have imagined on my own. You have to go through it. Tedder suffered a severe burn injury, and his recovery from that has left him with a lot to say. And the other was how I got burned. It was the moment I realized I was going to die um, in, a, in a plane crash. Instant Satori, like... You are dying. Here's what it, this is what it looks like. Instant Satori. The sudden awareness at the end of everything. We sat at a picnic table as Tedder talked about death and life. Tedder was 16, flying back to North Carolina from Colorado in his father's private plane. Things began to go wrong. Anyway, sometime after takeoff, the plane was just not climbing. I, you know, my dad tried a few maneuvers to uh, dip the plane down and bring it back up to build that thrust, but it wasn't happening. The plane just was being pulled by gravity, which... Nothing his dad tried worked. We had turned down a, a valley and tried to get the plane out of a stall, and it just would not happen. And there was a moment of realization, oh, this is a plane crash. I'm in one. And... And, you know, there's a feeling of my stomach just dropping out of me, the going through the floorboard of the plane and feeling the plane dropping. Um, my father trying to, you know, maneuver the plane. Um, we had oxygen masks on that were these gr- army green oxygen masks because we were in high altitude. And um, I, I remember that. I sort of, as, as we're going down, my memory becomes immediately from where I sit now, immediately kind of traumatic and jumbled because 
there was a lot of trauma involved in it and I can piece together uh, a narrative through it but it, after that point of realization we're going to crash it all becomes a jumbled kind of madness until I wake up in the hospital uh, a month and a half later. Tedder describes those disjointed flashes of memory from the crash and its aftermath. The fact that I had been on flames and some of my skin was gone uh, and it was horrible, horrific, like wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And the fact Shockingly alive after the crash, Tedder and his father were trapped in the plane. A fire started and, fed by the oxygen from the masks, grew. Tedder's father released him from a stuck seatbelt. Tedder broke down a jammed door, and they fled on foot in terror and pain, down a slope and into a neighborhood where doctors looking for crash survivors found them and took them to the ambulances he had heard. The ambulances raced them to a hospital where Tedder was put into a medically induced coma for six weeks. About a burn. If you ask anyone, what's a burn? The habacy. Oh, it's like when you put your hand on the stove and you get a burn and you put some cream on it and you cover it and it comes back to normal, there may or may not be a scar. That's kind of most people's conception of a burn. And it's not wrong, that's what most people experience. But burn injuries, big burn injuries, are a wholly different thing that no one is prepared for. Tedder had to rebuild his life in every way. He had to relearn to use muscles that had atrophied during his coma, had to learn again to walk, eat, sleep. He had to rebuild every aspect of how his body works and how it looks. So I may be burned on 35% of my body, but you know, another 20% of my body is from, has got donor sites on it where they took uh, skin from to put on other parts of my body. So I'm covered in a patchwork of donor sites and skin grafts. A severe burn is a journey. Anyways, my, my point in, in describing all of that is that until you're on the inside of a burn center, you have no idea what a burn injury is and how big of a thing it is. And there, and, and there was a, there's kind of a collection of moments that came together going, knowing like, oh, this is, this is a thing and it's horrible. And there's a whole center built for this kind of injury. And in that center, Tedder's life changed. And years of recovery have led to good work, a happy marriage, hours of guitar practice. But almost unimaginably, the entire train car full of realizations that came with the burns and recovery in some ways still don't equal the transformation, the realization of that one crystalline moment. It was the moment I realized I was going to die um, in a in a plane crash, instant Satori, like, you are dying, here's what it, this is what it looks like. Tedder faced death. That's why I, it wasn't a mistake that I called it instant Satori, even though I've never used that phrase before, because it immediately woke me up to life and to the preciousness of life. Um, when everything goes away, everything that we think is important, all of the possessions and stories and memories. Um, what's really here in life is our awareness of life and our awareness of being alive and our consciousness in those moments. And I, and I saw it extremely clearly. Satori is the Buddhist term for enlightenment, 
for awareness. Yeah, I probably use that word because I'm uh, reinvestigating uh, my Buddhist roots. And I sort of went on a journey into every other kind of spirituality you could find. But I've really come back home to um, my Buddhist roots, which, um, you know, really talk about that life is impermanent and you have to uh, really come to see clearly. You have to see what this world is pretty clearly. This is a longtime concern for Tedder. As a young kid, I realized like, oh, like things are different than people tell me. I had a philosophy called ism. It was just called ism. Like when I was 10, it was, oh, things just are. They are, they are. There's nothing else to it. Like things are, it, they, it, it is, and I called it ism. And anyways, um, when I faced death, I really, it, all of that made sense to me. Like you immediately, the slate is clear of all of your knowledge that you put in there, in the system, all of the thoughts. There's immediately a realization that is something you could not have possibly perceived beforehand. It's, there's the slate is clear, um, all of the knowledge parts like the Red Sea, and all of a sudden you're seeing the ground of, of what it means to be alive, which is a, um, you know, that's why I call it like Satori, because um, that experience of going down in a plane, when I knew like, oh, we are going to crash, and I'm, I'm experiencing the death process right now, everything moves out of the way, and it's incredible, everything. There's no, there's no thought. I mean, there's sort of flashes. I had flashes of various things, but what I remember the most is this suddenness of experience. It was like a lightning bolt of, I'm dying. All of my affairs got in order in that moment. It was like a snap. Everything became pretty much, I wouldn't say meaningless, but unimportant and unprioritized in that moment. What was important was to know that I was dying and and to go through that. And I was always, I had, I had been scared of that moment forever. I'm, I'm still scared of that moment every now and again, but I at least know now like, oh, when it's suddenly happening, um, it is a red-shouldered hawk. Tedder responding to that hawk as he spoke about this moment of intense awareness may have been its most profound demonstration. He remembers the uncertainty life brings which he says keeps him focused on his actual life. All things are impermanent. There's nothing in this world that you can look at that is not going to change. There's not a person, a thought, a structure, uh, an object in nature, whatever that's going to change. And I knew that viscerally from my experience of um, my life changing so suddenly. I can't hold on to any of this stuff. I've seen what it's like to die. You don't hold on to any of it. So I need to align myself with that now. That is, death will come. Regardless, you will die, and you will die alone. And you have to square with that. And then you have to realize that everyone else will also die and die alone. That's the only thing that's equal in our society. It's, you know, everyone will die. And if you're not ready for that, there is intense amount of suffering that you will create to not have to think about that experience. That doesn't mean fear death, and it doesn't mean pretend to not fear death. It just means be aware. And that experience is going to happen to everyone. And if you don't look at it 
um, I think you're missing out on life. You're missing out on deepening the compassion that you can have for other people. It really opens a doorway to compassion, to understand that everyone will go through that same doorway and face it with differing amounts of suffering. And it's, um, it's incredibly sad and it's, you know, life is like, life is beautiful and life is like really sad. Like, what is it? What life is, is beautiful and life is sad. In the movie Down by Law, a sort of Zen love letter to our broken world, that's exactly how Roberto Benigni greets Tom Waits. Is a sad and beautiful world. <laughs> yeah, it's a sad and beautiful world, pal. That's a good one. I mean, that's it. And like, what a what a more honest greeting than good morning. Right. Like, no, yeah. it's not. It's right. not a great morning. My experience has shown me. Uh, it hasn't shown me all of life. I haven't lived through poverty. I haven't lived through, you know, tyrannical governments and, and lack of a lot of material goods and things like that. There's sides of life I haven't experienced, but I have experienced the common reality of we are going to die. And that's really opened, opened my eyes, like, every day I'm aware of that. And I think of it, and it, like, some people might think I'm kind of brooding and thinking about death too much, but I find that if I don't, then I easily slip into not appreciating what life really is. So, yeah, that's a lot. I think honor and respect for life is like what it's all about. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's a big thing to be alive. He feels the frustration we all do, of course, at forgetting that. that it just bothers me when people are trying to manipulate consciousness itself to get you to not feel life because... I went through a lot to get back to life, and I find myself getting whipped up into a Facebook scroll like an hour long, and I'm like, what the hell did I just do? I got nothing out of that, like nothing. But at bottom, when you've gone through what Tedder has, your point is simple. Yeah, the, my message and you know what I want to help people recognize is that how precious life is. I mean, that's just, that's just it, and how quickly it can change um, you know and and how really meaningless your beliefs about it are a lot to process but when you're talking about realizations don't you want a lot to process next on our series about realizations we talk with Eric Dozier a graduate of both Trinity and the Divinity School who makes his contribution as a blues preacher um, you know, there's a song that I was inspired to kind of put together when I heard the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. And I hear the young man say, it's our duty to fight for our freedom. And when he said that first line, the crowd, which was a multiracial, multicultural crowd that was standing with Black folk in this moment, shouted right back at him. It's our duty to fight for our freedom. It's our duty to fight for our freedom. Eric Dozier, next on Realization, on The Devil's Share, the podcast of Duke Magazine.